You're tuned in to the MTGG Cable Cast, 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 where they cover Magic, the Gathering Finance. All right? You don't know about it? You're tuned in right now and get ready to learn some shit. Buckle your seatbelts and light a blunt and get ready for the MTG Cable Cast, 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 starring Reptar and Thirsty, them onion head motherfuckers. Welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast, guys. This week, actually kind of special. So this is part one of a two-parter that concludes in our four-year anniversary episode. So before we begin and tell you what the next two episodes are about, I want to say thank you for putting up with two people who seem to hate everything about this game, but keep coming back, telling us yet again, collectible card games are the most abusive relationship in the world. And with that, the next two weeks, we're actually going to be looking at a retrospective. Mm -hmm. So... Obviously, finance pods are about picks. That's what we're looking at. Episode one is going to be personal picks that we made that we didn't necessarily share in the podcast, but just stuff that we've invested in outside of whatever we've spoiled here. Yep. Uh, because guess what? Content creators do that. Yes. I'm sorry. That's how it works. Yep. Behind the scenes, that's what goes on. That's what uh, the Discord is all about. Yeah. Uh, so, without further ado, take us away, my lovely co-host. Absolutely. So, for me, uh, I went through everything that I picked up this year, and I broke it out into picks that I made for the cast versus personal, like you mentioned, up top. And I found kind of like two big groupings of types of picks that I made. And the first one, and probably most obvious to anybody who listens, is picks surrounding what I thought would be an uptick in interest in Commander Enchantress decks. I've made a lot of those picks, even last week, and I still have a couple more coming because I do believe in it, but what I'm noticing is that my timeline on a lot of this stuff was, for the most part, really wrong. I have Sanctum Weaver listed here as one of these picks. I did pick it well before I made it to the cast, and that card actually did what I expected it to, but it, not, it did not hold long-term value, and that's kind of what we're looking at for everything else. One of the picks that I made behind the scenes, because I wasn't totally sold on it was the judge promo sterling grove and the reason i did this was because it's a judge promo they are very limited in quantity even though it is for the new judge program so it has the owl stamp there's going to be more of those and there are some other promos in the history of the judge program the enchantress theme just picked up we got Sethis harvest hand all the support from modern horizons into theros beyond death and uh not New Capenna, uh, Kamigawa. Yeah. That helped us lean in a little bit. And I figured if I was just going to dump a bunch of money on a card I'm going to throw in a box, then it'll be this. And I've done this from, from time to time. And this, But this is not something I even mentioned in the Discord. It's just something I did on my own. And if we take a look at the stocks graph, it actually kind of tailed off from the over 30 it was. And I bought in basically when it tanks down to about uh, 9 or $10 each and from that let's see it was about ten dollars i bought ten at nine ck is currently buying a handful of them at two so that's a loss of seven dollars per uh sterling grove but the thing is because this is a judge promo i'm willing to hold on to this we're only going to keep getting better enchantments more enchantments over time and i'm not too worried about it because again judge promos have a way of just kind of making up for short losses the longer you hold on to them, yeah. the better they, they are 
always in the long term. And that kind of exemplifies everything else that went wrong with this group, this grouping of picks. But not for the podcast, only the personal ones. So when Neo hit, I basically combed the spoiler and I went through and I picked a bunch of cards that I thought would fit into the Enchantress theme. And I picked up a bunch of brilliant restorations, uh, 40 of them set. Yep. I picked up 40 con- uh, Kami of Transients total, split 20, 20 and 20 between set and showcase. And I got them for about 30 to 40 cents a piece for everything. And they're currently bulkish price at CK. So all said and told on those picks, I lost about $20. But again, I'm fine holding them because it's all part and parcel of the Green White Enchantress theme. I get saved on these because CK has bulk pricing on them, but I also bought in at around bulk price. So this is these are just going to move from my spec boxes to what I call my infinite quantity box, which basically has everything that I bought in infinite quantity that was at bulk price, like Wake Root Elemental from M19 or M20 that essentially combos with Gaia's Cradle. Yeah. And that kind of ilk. And then just let it rot in the shelf for the day that it, it pokes back up to over what I paid. And I'm fine sitting on all of these for that reason. I would be more upset with myself if these were picks that I made for the cast, because especially the Neil ones, I fired on them for a very specific reason that I talk about on that episode. And while things like Kami of Transients and Brilliant Restoration haven't really come to fruition, I bought in at such a low number that it doesn't bother me that much. If I was advising people themselves to pick up on those cards, I probably would have waited a little longer, like you hear me do when I talk about cards like this, until I see movement at CK, until I see movement in the open market. But this goes along with something that I said at the end of last year that I was I didn't really want to do anymore, which is speculating on standard cards without any kind of proven track record. And yeah. I really didn't do that. Uh, it was just Neo that I did this for. There was some stuff out of Streets that I bought, um, namely Void Renz, just a playset, uh, because I thought it would be a good yeah. card in Standard, and I thought maybe I'd get to playing that format again. Otherwise, there wasn't a whole lot of rampant speculation on Standard, aside from that. So this was my first grouping of cards where I just kind of went sideways. Yeah, I so I, I did a similar thing, uh, and... So on the cast, when Strixhaven came out, uh, I was super high on the alternate art foil Japanese Dark Ritual. Uh, my exact logic was, look, if the Yu-Gi-Oh! version of this card is $100, this version is way better and should be more money. Uh, so what I personally did was I didn't just go for Dark Ritual. I went for everything. Mm-hmm every single foil not etched full foil that i could out of the entire set because i'm like these cards are great it's a really good treatment it's unique there's no way that these can lose and while they didn't necessarily lose if you take a look at the stocks graph for the dark ritual uh guess what it's just a flat line flat line Mm -hmm. if the best card of these is a flat line what do you think happened to the rest oh guess what they're a flat line too yeah they're all a flat uh which you know, I, again, I thought that this was something that would be pretty unique. It was a cool way of them to do this. And then we had more and more and more and more products come out, which I'll touch on in my second card, uh, that just kind of devalued the specialness of this. You know, when it was, hey, here's a cool alternate treatment that we're getting that, you know, it's something new, it's unique. Well, it's not really unique if you do it every single set. 
And while they didn't do Mystical Archives every set, they've done something like it. So I was very, very high on this card. Uh, I mean, it's Dark Ritual. Mm -hmm. It's it sees play in literally every format it's legal in EDH, Popper, Vintage, Legacy. You name it, it's there. I thought this had a lot more legs than it does. And especially with it being a set that was affected by COVID print runs, I thought for sure this was a gainer long term. Mm -hmm. And maybe it will be. Maybe it's proof that, as you know, we say, there's no bad specs, just longer term ones. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel bad about the Dark Ritual pick because I still think it's incredibly strong. Okay. What I feel bad about is picking up all the adventurous impulses. All of the, I don't know, was Castigate one of these? Electrolyze? Like, yeah. like, all of those. Those are bad, and I should have stayed away. Uh, I should have put that money into Sarkin's Unsealing. That would have been a better use of that money. Somebody's I may still do the market. that. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I want to be the guy. I want a comforter made of Sarkin's Unsealing. That was a better use of money than all of the non-Dark Ritual, non-Faithless looting Mystical Archive arts. Mm -hmm. I think the only one that has gained has been Counterspell, because it became legal and modern. Yeah, yep. Uh, fine and yeah yeah memory lapse got got banned in a format we can't play in paper yeah and then there's toots big toots the demonic tutor is just always going to win out from that bunch yeah yeah exactly like that one doesn't count that was already a high enough price point that it wasn't gonna like we weren't saving any money on that one you know yeah uh but i i think this you know goes into kind of what you were saying where specking on standard cards might not be the best thing because not not all, like this card wasn't standard legal but it was certainly in the collector's boosters which were the only things anybody was opening of this set because guess what they wanted those cards all of the yeah. mystical archives cards so it just saturated the market too much and there's too much out there compared to the demand which might change if we ever get paper legacy again mm -hmm. but doubt that's happening anytime soon so it's an absolute wash yeah uh what was your second group? Well, before we get to that, the one thing oh, sure. I want to note is I thought that Providence would have carried a bunch of this stuff, which is uh, Providence is a word we've been using a lot this year because yeah. that this year has been the first year of a lot of interesting things. Yeah. And you'd think that even the low end cards that were in the mystical arch archives in Japanese would have been floated by that as we got additional alternate stylings if you want to call them they weren't the the mystical yeah. archives different alt art inserts so it's maybe like you mentioned you know no bad picks just a longer timeline and maybe that happens in the long term but yeah the, the last couple of months of just seeing these flat line seeing like the same couple ones in cases because nobody's really interested until they just disappear it is kind of cute and interesting and at, at the end of the day i don't know what happens with all of them because if there's no immediate market for all of them but they're all floated how do you get rid of some of the low-end ones like uh, I, I don't know paper shredder i guess like yeah nobody it, it makes the other ones worth more money right that's yeah. how that works <laughs> yeah because uh, otherwise they're worthless yeah nobody's selling yet the full i mean or again the full set of japanese alt art mystical archive cards it's not the kind of thing you need to collect them all you know, we talked about last week on the cast uh goblin just yeah. goblin right and there's been the math done we found the the tweet shortly after the cast of the 10 or 15 best sticker sheets you need to work within legacy for both just goblin and some of the other proposed 
sticker synergies. And what we couldn't do after the cast was actually find anyone selling all 48 sticker sheets or any kind of grouping. That's a product that makes sense to group. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, just do it. You know, we checked Troll, which I thought would have been the most likely place to do it because they love doing stuff like that. One stop shop. Just click your one button, buy all 48 for like 1.25 or 1.5x what it's actually worth on TCG Player without the hassle of clicking 48 times and making sure you get all the variants. Just do it there. This doesn't seem to be one of those products. So I, I, th- this is just my brain going off. Like, how do you get rid of that adventurous impulse, et cetera, in the long run or the, the, the memory lapse? Like, I, I just... Yeah, it, it's one of those I things that's super easy if you're a store, yep. right? Yeah. And is miserable if you're not yep. because you don't have you don't have the app. Yep. Right. So my, my second grouping of cards were cards that I picked for long-term based on price historics. And the easiest one to point to for this year was Reflecting Pool. That is something that I did mention in the, the Discord. I never pulled the trigger on it as a podcast pick because I was unsure of what the timeline would look like for resale. And it's just been on like a steady, slow decline if we take a look at stocks. But personally, I think that's fine because the historics on this card are insane when you look at the, um, not the Tempest printings, it's Shadowmoor. It is Shadowmoor. Like when you look at the Shadowmoor and even more recently, like the conspiracy uh, price point, and I'll bring this up, it tanks bigly at the reprint, but I, I expect this to climb back up because it's just so good in Commander. All you need is one Vivid Land and your reflecting pools it makes everything in your command city of brass class. yeah so yeah. exactly one five sea land and that's it one triome etc reflect and the reflecting pool carries it on and the some of the other cards that fit into that fit into this are things like a uh, yavamaya cradle of growth it's a card i talked about a lot i think i made it to pick on the cast and the expectation there is that in time it will follow the path of urborg the upside that yavamaya has going for it unlike Urborg, is that Yavamaya does currently see play in constructed formats. Uh, Urborg is in Legacy. It's in the um, Turbo... Not Turbo Loam. Turbo Depths deck. So you can turn one Depths turn to Urborg, Vampire, Hexmage, pop. The Depths go. The uh, Yavamaya saw play in Mono Green Tron. And I think that might have been it in Modern. So like kind of rip that. But there is the ability for it to to come back in that format. And another one in that pick was um, like March of Otherworldly Light was another one of those spells that I thought would do really well, similar to Prismatic Ending. I thought it would just have this kind of um, home base in Modern, and then the that format just got turned on its ear very quickly. So we moved away from that. I didn't go quite as deep into March as I did Reflecting Pool. I picked up 11 pools. I probably got about... Uh, 12 to 15 Yavamayas because I pick them up every time I see them in cases. People still sell that card. I don't know why. And uh, March, I've got about eight of. And these were all cards that I expected to have longer term growth in formats based on historics and parallels to uh, other cards. Something else that kind of falls into that is Perforos Bronze Blooded. It's basically sneak attack, but not quite. And I went in on 28 showcase copies at about $3. CK is currently buying at one three, so that's basically a $45 loss. And I've got about four showcase foils. That's uh, an even worse ratio because apparently that 
trend has come and gone. We were coming up at a time where people were really interested in sneak attack and wanting to uh, sneak in their dragons. And we got the... This is well before uh, Baldur's Gate hit. This is actually um, in January. I picked up Perforous. And I thought, okay, well, if Zerillion is picking up and that's a sneak attack, and sneak attack yeah. goes in the dragon deck, and you play some other weird sneaks, why not play Perforous? And it did go up for a little bit and then came tanking right back down, but it's still a card like the others that I believe in that we can point to historics on very similar cards, but it was a little too dicey to make a pick on the cast because the historics for the card itself wasn't there, mm. just the parallels. And I'm eating my hat on all of them. Except Yabamai. Yabamai I'm winning on because that one's yeah. impossible to lose on. Um that was a podcast pick. That one was easy. Yeah, I uh, Yavamaya was definitely the one that, I mean, we talked about it. It was, you know, hey, look, this is what, what we think is the most sure thing in the in the set. Yeah. Not close. Uh, I fully expected the set to basically be, you know, fueled by EDH stuff, yeah. same as first one. Uh, no. It's it's Japan. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. Yeah, uh, and and yeah, there's. It, it's also it's it's interesting because and this was something we touched on, uh, pretty much throughout the pandemic, was we felt that the cards were fairly undervalued because like there were there were massive production issues, mm -hmm. and we you know quickened timelines, extended timelines, whatever, and what our expectations were, and like none of that stuff really bore that out as much as I as much as I thought it would yeah and I'm sure as much as you thought it would too because I fully expected you know Yavamaya for example to quickly reach like because Urborg when it was in standard hit 20 pretty quickly I feel like mm -hmm. uh, both uh, times it was standard it hit pretty yeah, quickly because there was there's the mono black control deck with um, a legend from cold snap yeah uh, yeah so we have it's out it sits at 10 for about a year and then it shoots up to 20 gradually ticks down ticks back up to 20 and it's just at 20 mm -hmm. and i fully expected that to be the case especially when you take into account the lack of opening yep. and that's just not what happened there yeah uh and i i think a lot of the stuff that i thought was going to be a good long-term hold off over the last couple of years like the Strixhaven, mystical archives uh and maybe we're just not long enough term yet just ended up being not that great after all that's floating around that idea is um the world tree so that was a pick i made for the cast but i was very convinced of that card because it's basically yeah. a chromatic lantern for five other lands and yeah. that is a pick that i am winning on thus far it, I yeah. it made it into my personal list because i bought them well before they came up on the cast so it was kind of a pick for me and the longer i sat on it and the, i uh, i felt better about it making it a pick for the cast so it turned from a personal spec into a podcast yeah. spec because it had there was a vehicle for it it had legs and it's doubled up from mm -hmm. uh or almost double up one yeah yeah uh either way i i feel like the vast majority of cards that i thought would be good long term ended up not being when it was based on playability and then for you know production yeah as well yeah. um so your second group what you got yeah so my my second group and it's actually just one card okay uh and this was similar to yours based on historic pricing trends 
this is something that I saw as an absolute blue chip. This is something that, look, they come out with these sets every six years. The lands are great. The foils are awesome. Let's do it. Uh, Unhinged Foil Island. It was a $60 card forever. Forever. It never went anywhere but $60 except when it went up. And it went from 60 to 70 to 80 to close to 100 at one point. Um, I personally, this saw a dip uh, in like mid-2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and it went down to $60 again for the first time in years. Now, granted, we had Full Art Lands and Throne. We had Full Art Lands in Theros. We had Full Art Lands in Ikoria. My thought was, look, it doesn't matter. We can get as many Full Arts as they want to give us. Nothing is going to be as good as this island. Like, the Unlands are iconic. They're collectible. They're beautiful. It's also John Avon. Mm-hmm. These are great. They're starting to dip. I'm going to do it now. Well, guess what? It's only gone down. Because, similar to my other group, when you do something every set, it's not special anymore. And the appeal and iconography and all of that stuff behind the unfoil lands has just faded to be, oh, they're just like any other set with cool foil lands. And now we have Unfinity with Galaxy foil lands. And you know what? None of them are worth 10 bucks. I... Gone are the days where the Zendikar Bucket Island in yeah. foil is a $100 bill. Uh, I I don't think we will ever have uh, a good investment at the play level of like a basic land again. Um, I picked up, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to start building a draft set of these. And then I built a second draft set of foil on lands. And I was like, okay, well, there's a second draft set. If anybody wants one, I'll sell it to them. I just started picking up more because these islands see a lot of play. Mm-hmm. A lot of people I know love the on un- islands. So I was like, you know what? Let's get some more. And now we are literally at the all-time low for foil unhinged islands. Less than 50 bucks. Yep. Never would I have ever guessed in a million years these would be worth less than $50. I, there was no way. Absolutely no way it was going to happen. Yeah. I was surprised to to see that this falls off a cliff in March when Double Masters hits in August five months later and we get that reprint. Yep. And not just are the frames different on this, but the perspective, not the perspective, sorry, the, uh, like the amount of art you get and the, 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 you do have the type box and everything makes it look a little weird, but more interesting than that is this basically just comes in swinging at 450 for the foil from yeah. for double masters and that does so much to anchor the price of the unhinged island and it's not like this doesn't get camera time if you have the opportunity to people still love playing these the unglued yeah. ones you'll um you know betas I'd, I'd have to imagine that this stuff is some of the most popular and even those people who like playing uh a different art for every mountain in their deck usually end up running one unglued and one unhinged mountain because they look really decent, both of them. And it's surprising to see this sit here for so long, over a year, at yeah, hovering around 50, I'll say. There was a little bit of promise back in 
June and then back down to 50. I, I bet that was an OP announcement. I bet that was an OP announcement that pushed it and then came down. Yeah. But yeah, the the fact that you that land a necessity for this game can be such a good investment vehicle, quote unquote, for certain types. Fetches, shocks, uh, buddies used to be fine until they reprinted those into dirt. The fast lands and the um, if you want to call them horizon lands, whatever you want to, the horizon canopy cycle, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. They're such good investments, or they were when we had the opportunity to pick them up. Fetch lands from double, whatever the new ones are. Uh, MH2 are yeah. really good look right now because they're super cheap, but you can't make the same move on any kind of basic to your, like, the, the, the point you made. There's no singular basic outside of, like, beta and unlimited that you could move in on that provides um, an investment vehicle for people or even, like, binder candy. Yeah. More often than not, people just pass on basic lands like this. They'll take interest in beta and unlimited, but rarely now will you see people interested in unglued and unhinged because, to your point, we get a new unset every year. We get a new look. We get a new full art style with that. We get some weird type of full art land now with every standard set and that really kind of de-glamours the the art of the full art essentially yep now people do truly get to choose the artist they like and move on with their lives and you know what that's fine yeah it just is an interesting point now that this is no longer something you know that you could do it's not like people showed up with a one row of basics to an event to trade out to people but you could have yeah some interesting stuff in your binder and you'd usually get some bites you know yeah and it's it's another sign of just how the landscape has changed so drastically mm-hmm. you know like we're we're not at a point where we were yeah uh where you you could do that and it's it's not just the trade side of things that's changed it's it's all of it uh the vending side all of that and you know again i spend a lot of time joking about being a you know, old fuddy duddy who's afraid of change and hates everything. Uh, and that's still largely true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, the reality is, but you're going to have to learn to accept it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that this, the last couple of years were a very telling time. Um, not just for me and how I have, uh, adapted to the vendor landscape, but how pretty much, everyone you know everything has changed in the industry yeah uh and uh i guess that's the reality yeah it's interesting to take a look at the sales number on the unhinged stuff like they do well in the last four months about 40 a month have been sold yeah um to for lp 85 orders 15 of them oh sorry um 10 of them were for four or more so those are people actually building land bases yeah you do see a handful of ones but the foils those are those are like one a month at most yeah. for this and they're they truly just sit around market it is yep. immovable or immutable this price the last and, and i mean how many times were you at a booth where you bought and sold how many of those over the course of a weekend yeah you know like double digits you could buy them price them and they'd immediately they go, sell they go. yeah all of them they all move yeah it, it didn't matter which one it was the swamp the mountain the forest the plains the island all of them mm-hmm. and now it's just gone yeah and that's all right well uh, you know i guess you, you you have to learn how to shape it now with the modern 
magic economy, which has obviously changed for a multitude of reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but things things are not as easy specking as they used to be. Yeah, I, I like this as a look, as a marker for yeah. the change in the speculation and finance landscape when you can no longer stand on the foundation that you thought was solid well now you have to rebuild your foundation and it's going to take some time and at the end of the day i think that's basically the moral of this episode yeah we kind of went through our pick processes for a lot of this stuff discussed you know basically where we went wrong with a lot of our personal picks yeah and um, i'm sure we'll touch on some of this stuff in our true end of year recap for what not to do next time yeah (laughs) but you know in between now and then heed these words and please save some money yeah they're for sure for sure uh especially with everything coming down the pipe we uh i guess there's no sense in not mentioning it because this cast is going to come out a week after the announcement, but it looks like there might even be some fire sales going on for sealed product, which puts even more pressure on some of this stuff because we don't know what's going to happen with the investor call that happened earlier today on October 18th. Basically, yeah. Watsi said that Q3 for revenue MOM was really low, and one of the best things that they believe that they can do to increase earnings for the magic category is to reduce the glut of product at the distributor level via sale, specifically calling out Amazon. Yeah. Not the LGS. So we're probably going to see more flash sales on Amazon for a lot of product, which means even some of the picks that we made that have looked pretty decent thus far for certain sets could get crushed as more product floods into the market. But this is a a good time to think about how you want to move forward in this financial landscape you know if there's going to be a glut of sealed at a cheap price historically speaking that's not a bad time to stock up on it if you're the kind of person that actually likes to sit on sealed uh, you could probably do pretty well this year for sealed was pretty decent Uh, especially if collectors boosters go up on sale for um, a small number of sets where they look pretty good then that's going to be a decent look but otherwise I think that's going to end it for this week unless there's anything you got to get out. Nope. All right. So for at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, and YouTube, I am at Halt. I am Reptar. You are at Thirsty Sizzling. And we'll see you next week. See ya.